Today on the Talent Cast, we buy recruitment ads or don't. Hard to say. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. We're here to talk about employer branding and talent acquisition, talent recruitment marketing at some fairly deep levels. We're not here to pitch books. We're not here to pitch software. This is a 100% pitch-free zone. We're here to go back to first principles and really think through what it's going to take for you to be better at employer brand and talent acquisition, for you to win the war for talent. Yes, that's a bad metaphor. Yes, people shouldn't say it. Yes, it's also my Twitter handle, so I can't help you. This will not be your standard podcast. This will be a little goofy, a little weird, a little bit of me. Hopefully, you're going to learn something from it. If you like it, please tell people. Uh, if you like it a lot, review us on iTunes and Google Play. Otherwise, you can hear, learn more about us or talk to us directly on Twitter, again, at the War for Talent, or just go to our website, thetalentcast.com. So that having been said, here's the show. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Uh, good morning. It's Saturday morning. Uh, I, I'm trying to record this before the Chicago Air and Water Show kicks off. Uh, for those of you not in Chicago, it is when very expensive government-funded planes do about 200 miles an hour over my house, probably about 300 feet off the ground. So it's a little loud. <laughs> I may be uh, making uh, maybe a joke there, but it's not really a joke. It's unbelievably loud. So it's going to start soon. So I want to kind of get this in under the wire. Um, so, quick history lesson, right? On this podcast, are you shocked? No? I didn't think so. So, once there was a time in which the concept of marketing really wasn't a concept of marketing. What we think of as marketing, what most people think of as marketing, is advertising. That is, I'm going to buy a commercial. I'm going to put a billboard up. That's how I market things. That's how I'm letting people know my product or service exists. There's about a million ways to make that happen, right? Um, there's again billboards and ads and radio ads and, and, and classified ads and newspaper ads and magazine ads and banner ads and you know pre-roll on your YouTube and I don't know we could go all the but you have a sponsor a podcast I mean not this one of course but you know there's a million ways to advertise something now in your case obviously you're talking about jobs so let's go ahead and be specific we're talking about jobs but marketing and advertising are different advertising is a function of how do I <clears throat> excuse me, shape a message message that gets the audience I want to reach to listen and to absorb that message and to take some sort of action, right? It's a very transactional state. I need to get your attention. I need to insert this message into your brain. You need to cons get you to consider that message and say, yes, that is a good thing, and I will do that thing I want you to do. That is advertising, and sometimes that means being everywhere, and sometimes that means targeting. It means you know, sending a letter, and sometimes it means a postcard, and sometimes it means, you know, a, a blitz on the Super Bowl. It's advertising. It's not marketing. Marketing, truly, when you get right back down to it, is the concept of, and this is why it's called marketing, what do you choose to bring to market? Meaning, if you're a plastic company, and you're, maybe you're a, a plastic and paper manufacturing company in the Midwest, and you decide you have this guy who's decided that, you know, if you have these squares of paper and they have this glue that isn't very sticky, in fact, it's probably, a, it's probably almost a mistake to call it glue, but you, if you put it on the back and you put them in cards, they make your notes stick in the right place all the time. I think we're going to call them post-it notes. 
The marketers decide, you know what, there is a market for this, i.e., we think there are people out there who would want to pay money for this thing based on demographic research, based on survey research, based on focus groups, based on uh, use cases, based on all sorts of stuff. We choose what we bring to market. Now, in the modern world, it's rare that you actually see the marketers choosing what comes to market when they, the marketers are focused on uh, effectively being advertisers. Now, in the tech space, sometimes the product man marketer or product manager decides that stuff, but it's very, very complex. But marketing truly is about what do you bring to market. So let's talk about jobs. Let's talk about this concept that, you know, how do you use marketing or advertising or how does all this work? Well, one more quick history lesson before we jump into that. So if you have been paying attention to the space for a long time, you notice that the concept of content marketing in the last 10 years, maybe even less, has come very much into vogue, right? Everybody talks about it. If you know anything about content marketing, the Content Marketing World Conference is massive. It's like five, six, seven thousand 7,000 people, something like that. Uh, it takes over the Cleveland Convention Center. Um, you know, there's <laughs> literally ads in the airport welcoming you. That's that level of massive. It's a big conference. It's gone on every year for a long time. There are many, many, many sub-conferences talking about different aspects of content marketing. Now you've got social as part of that, and you've got, <clears throat> you know, connect that to recruiting side. You've got social recruiting, and you've got content mar uh, recruitment marketing for content, and there's all this content-focused things. Now, this may be a surprise, but content marketing really is a very simple idea. Content marketing is this concept that, in the end, it's not so much that my marketing is about shouting my message and my logo and my tagline at you so many times and so loudly that you can't get out of your head. Content marketing says, wow, that's a pain. That I hate, I hate listening to that. I hate getting those ads. I would rather get something of value. I would rather you tell me a story in which I understand how your product works how it, that your product makes me better, or any other information that brings some sort of value to my life. So I always go back to that. I was born and raised in, in well, maybe not, yeah, mostly born and raised in North Jersey, near New York City, at least till I was in high school. And I remember the Crazy Eddie ads. Now, some of you are laughing and some of you need an explanation, and that's fine. If you Google Crazy Eddie ads on YouTube, go nuts. Oh, they're hilarious. They're, they're atrocious, but it's a guy, and he sh he's literally, they're all one-takers, one-shotters, and he's just, you know, pointing out VCRs and pointing out Walkmans. This is the 80s. Um, you know, his prices are insane. He's literally screaming at the TV. His prices are insane. He's Crazy Eddie. They are, without question in my mind, one of the greatest examples of how you take advertising to its ultimate state. They are simply, how do I get my message in your head? Well, I'm going to be obnoxious, and I'm going to interrupt you, and I'm going to, you know, in the middle of your Three Stooges, you know, uh, show, I'm going to shout at you like an idiot for 30 seconds, and then chances are, in seven minutes when we break for another commercial, I'm going to do it again. He wallpapered the Northeast you know, tri-county or tri-city area or whatever it is, uh, the New York City area with, tri I'm sorry, it's the tri-state area, that's right, Connecticut, Jersey, New York. But he, he wallpapered that area with these screaming advertisements and they were atrocious. Now, he made a lot of money. They were very effective, but no one liked them. And there's a point in which you say, look, more screaming ads, there's a, <clears throat> there's a point of diminishing returns, in which well, you're not just actually helping people, you're just demanding people buy your crap and what good does that do you in the long run content marketing was a shift because it said look what if we gave them something they actually liked 
What if we told them a story? Not necessarily a marketing story, but what was a fun story? What if we turned that commercial into a little movie that was interesting, that engaged them, that brought some emotions to bear, that spoke to them on some level? That's true content marketing. It's, to, it's the, the shift from just shout your message as loud as you can to I'm going to provide something of some value, and you can measure value however you want, and that's why people will pay attention to me, and that's how I would get you know convince people to buy my product or service. That's fundamentally what content marketing is. That's the difference. It's the idea that you're providing some sort of value or utility. The stuff about social, the stuff about you know blogging, the stuff about websites and microsites and, and drip campaigns and all this other stuff that now you think of when you think of content marketing, they are tactics in service of the bigger idea. How do I give you value? Which is great because in the job space, we're building, we're trying to build in the best case scenario, especially at non-entry level jobs, your, jo your goal is not so much to get people to apply. Your job is to develop a relationship. Ask any recruiter, any full-time professional recruiter, their job is to build a relationship as fast as humanly possible such that they can engage with someone, understand what they're looking for, slot them in the right potential position, and if it doesn't work, Bill, have enough of a relationship to say, look, in six months when I come back to you with another opportunity, you don't just slam down the phone and say, I hate you, right? That's what being a real recruiter is all about, building a million relationships, which is why I'm not good at it. <laughs> I am not that guy. That's why I'm a marketer. In that case, m recruitment marketing shouldn't be about shouting your name as loud as you can. It's not about pushing your jobs a million places. It's not about becoming an interruption in everybody's day. It's about helping and supporting that relationship. In the end, employment brand and recruitment marketing is there solely to make a recruiter's job just that much easier. Simply put, that is all they're supposed to do. And you can do it a million ways. It's by technology, it's by ads, it's by content, it's by social, it's by uh, events, it's by brand recognition, it is by Glassdoor review management, or what, whatever. There's a million ways to do it, but in the end, it's all in service of helping your recruiters have a slightly easier job. You know, people are more likely to answer the emails or pick up the phone when they see that logo pop up. Um, you know, it, it, it facilitates that conversation. It gives the material for which when, you know, a potential candidate complains about the brand. He goes, oh, I heard you do that, blah, 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 blah. The recruiter has good material to kind of deflect or overcome those objections to move them forward in the funnel. And if that sounds like something a salesperson does, you're right. Recruiting is sales. As we talked about recruiting happiness, recruiting is sales, simply put. So... At some point in all of this, yes, I've gone just about 10 minutes now, about to get to a point, I know, it's either that's a record short or a record long, I can't tell. At some point, it will occur to you that you know what you need? You need some help. You need to buy an ad, right? For all the work you're doing in building your website and building your content and manage your social and managing your glass door and putting your content in LinkedIn and Indeed and all these other places and, 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 and promoting your jobs and maybe you've got some ambassador tools and maybe you've got some employee referral packages and all these things are good. These are all very, very, very good ideas. These are all helpful, useful, you know, best depending on your particular situation. But these are all good things and you should do them. But at some point, a hiring manager or an executive is going to decide what we need to do is hire 20 people and we need to make it happen today. You have a surge. You have a spike in demand. Or simply put, it's the hiring season and you're just falling behind. 
you're just not keeping up with the demand for 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 putting butts in seats. It's for whatever reason you're just it's not happening. People are rejecting at a slightly higher level. People are leaving at a slightly higher rate. People are responding to your emails at a slightly lower rate. These minor 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 things lead to big problems in a very short period of time because recruiters are fairly uh, finite resources. They only have a set number of hours in a day to talk to people, engage people, and do their work. So if you start falling behind, you need help. And your instinct, and not incorrectly so, will be to buy an ad. So let's talk about ads. First off, it is a horrible idea for any, I, can't, I, can't, I simply can't conceive of a, of a time or a space in which posting an ad for a job and putting it as an interruption in someone else who's not looking for a job makes any kind of sense. If you post a job saying, hey, everybody, you know, you should really watch um, uh, Riverdale, which is the show about the Archie kids but made in a kind of gossip girly kind of model and it's teen drama. If there's an ad for Riverdale and it's pushed to me, you know what I care? I don't. I don't ever seen it. I didn't it doesn't engage with me. I have zero interest. I have less than zero interest in this in this show. I don't hate it. I have no reason to hate it. I have nothing know nothing about it. Zero interest. I'm gonna watch TV. I'm gonna watch something with an arc. I'm gonna watch something with a big uh, growth path. I'm gonna I mean, you know I'm gonna watch Game of Thrones, but I'm also going to watch Mad Men, and or, yeah, heck, I'm going to rewatch Mad Men, um, or maybe I'll you know I'll grab uh, I don't know I like bigger TV than that. I don't like the soap operas. That's me. The same way that showing me an ad for a soap opera doesn't engage me is exactly what happens when you send an ad for a job to someone not looking for a job. If you are not in the in the means, of, if you're not in the mode of looking for a car, an ad for a car never engages. It doesn't click. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't work. And if you are looking for a job, why did they need that information? Are you not on Indeed? Are you not on LinkedIn? Are you not on Glassdoor? Are you not? Are your jobs not posted on places where people look? Because frankly, if someone is quote unquote looking for a job and they're not on job boards looking for jobs, what exactly are they doing? Obviously, higher levels, you know, you know, your marketing, your CMOs are not on job boards trolling, but they're not looking to click on ads for jobs. If you're looking to bring those people in, the, the ad is the worst means by which to do that, meaning a an ad about a job. However, if you are looking to hire people, you might have ads about content, or you might have ads that are about your brand. You might have ads that are brand awareness and are there to make it so that when people see your logo on a job board or see your logo on an email, they're more likely to say, oh, I've heard good things about you. I will, I'm more likely to apply. Or I'm more likely to connect and build that relationship or engage with that recruiter or that whatever. That ad has a lot of value. I can see that working. Now, the problem, of course, with that ad is it's very hard to measure the value, strictly speaking, um, whether you're on Facebook or whether you're on LinkedIn or whether you're on a, a, a completely uh, independent marketing advertising platform or AdWords or whatever. It's very hard to measure the value of those ads. Now, Google's a little different because people who see that ad are typing something in. They have some sort of intent, and depending on how you tie that intent to your ad, there can be a way of measuring the value of that. Maybe you can say, look, if this person is searching for um, uh, C++ training or Perl or, or, or Python training. Do people do Perl anymore? I can't remember. Python training or, heck, they're looking for iOS mobile development training you can guess that they're a developer on some level and you can start to push an ad about hey we're looking for entry-level developers 
that might make sense. I can see how that works. That's a pretty clear connection. But again, that's entry-level people. Who would be searching for something that you would push a, a, a marketing director job at or a, uh, an operations director job at? I'm not sure I can think of off the top of my head. Maybe if we thought about it more, we can come up with something. But really, it's not really, it doesn't really engage. Anyway, for most of your other ads, you have to tell a story. You have to tell a brand story. You have to tell a story about how someone did something amazing or you patented something or the people who work for you and, you know, unbelievably happy in their life, which, by the way, is all anybody wants to see. And yet I've never seen that ad, but they should. Someone should see that ad. You're going to want to buy the ad, make the ad. And I get that. But I want to point out a few things that are happening in the marketplace right now, and that is the diminishing value of an ad. Now, it's not just about job ads or brand ads or your ads or recruiting ads. It's ads in general. Ads in general have been in decline for a very long time. There's a number of data points you know, highlighting this. First off, the number of ad spaces is infinite. Unlike on a newspaper where every time they add, you know, there's a set number of pages and there's a set number of square inches to put an ad, on, on a web page, a web page can be infinitely long. Meaning, if I'm selling you an ad and I get 100 people who want an ad on that page, I can make the page long enough to make room for 100 ads. Now, of course, ads 20 through 100 aren't going to be seen. <laughs> because they're way down a page that no one's going to look at. But I can simply tell you, hey, I put them on the page. And by doing so, you had a revolution a couple years ago at which people started to evaluate whether those ads actually were seen or viewable, meaning they were above the fold or below the fold. And can you track whether if an ad was below the fold, did someone scroll down to actually see the ad? Now, frankly, if I'm scrolling, guess what I'm not looking at? Ads. But it was at least a way of saying, hey, Stop selling us garbage. Sell us ad space that people actually see. So that happened a couple years ago. And now you're talking about a space in which, okay, we can kind of sort of track ads, but there's these uh, uh, claims happening now and people saying, look, when I buy an ad, if I buy a 1,000 impressions from you, how do I know that those 1,000 impressions were seen or were placed on a space that made any sense? Well, if I'm leaning and, and, and waiting for the advertiser to tell me that, it's the advertiser in, is incentivized to lie or at least bend the truth a little bit. Have you ever bought Google AdWords and then looked at your Google Analytics and you've noticed that the traffic numbers are different? And it's always, almost always, always, always to the benefit of the AdWords saying, look, my Google Analytics says 20 people came from that ad, but your AdWords said 40 people came from that ad. It never goes the other way. <laughs> I'm not saying Google AdWords lies. I'm simply saying structurally they're going to make sure they give themselves the benefit of every single doubt to show you all the traffic they're sending you, whether they're sending you that traffic or not. And so now we talk about things like third-party validated ads and third-party validated uh, views. Now that's in the mix. On top of which, we are living in a world, to quote uh, Scott Galloway, uh, and who, by the way, if you, you should listen to his podcast, Winners and Losers, it's, a, it's like a two-minute thing every week. It's fantastic. He's super, super smart. Um, love his stuff. But anyway, he says, and I, and I agree with this, ads are effectively attacks on the poor. Meaning, in his example, if you want to watch a TV show, you can watch it on the screen. And you will, when that 30-minute TV show is actually 22, 21 minutes of actual show and eight or nine minutes of commercial. 
which you are forced to watch. Now, maybe you spend a little money and get a DVR, and you can fast-forward through those ads. And so your 22-minute show is really 24 minutes while you're kind of fast-forwarding through the ads you don't want to see, but you had to spend some money to do that. Or you could go to iTunes or Amazon and buy that show for two or three bucks and see no commercials. That we're moving to a world in which advertising is a tax on you not having enough money to pay for the, for the, for the no advertising version. Same thing, you know, Spotify. If I pay 10 bucks a month for Spotify, I get it without any ads. If I don't pay any money, I get ads. Pandora, same way. Advertising is a tax on people who don't want to spend the money. If that's true, so what I'm learning is that my advertising is being seen by people who are too poor to pay for the non-advertising version. That's not exactly what I would call targeted demographics. <clears throat> Excuse me, this is when I take a drink of coffee and you get to hear me talk about something else for an ad. Hey, uh, just interrupting myself for just a second just to remind you that because this podcast has made me extraordinarily wealthy, there's really nothing you can do. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to make any commercials or anything. You do not have to donate anything at all to keep this podcast going. Again, wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you all. I appreciate it. All you can do to help me make this podcast even better somehow is to review us on iTunes and Google Play and other places that you review and share podcast information. That's all you got to do. Leave some stars, leave a review, whatever you got to do. We really appreciate it. It's what keeps us going. Thanks to the people who have done it already, but keep them coming. We really do, like I said, we really do appreciate that. That's all I had to say. Again, I want to stop interrupting myself to bring you the amazing voices of me. Bye. I'm back and I've had some coffee and I'm clear my throat. So if you're looking to hire your next experienced data scientist, an ad isn't going to cut it because that person is a data scientist, meaning they're paid pretty well, meaning they probably don't have to ever, ever, ever hear advertising if they don't want to. They can listen to podcasts uh, and skip over the ads. They can pay for shows and radio and music without ever seeing any ads. They can watch movies on Netflix without any ads, and they can live an almost ad-free life which is kind of impressive. That, and so your ad will never reach them because they live an ad-free life. And so with all these data points kind of happening, everybody who sells an ad knows that the, in, the, the effective value of an, any individual ad is decreasing, right? An ad you show 10 years ago would be seen by people because people didn't have ad blockers and they weren't um, you know, paying to avoid those ads and... Uh, you know, people were used to ads, and there just simply wasn't the expectation that there are ways to avoid ads. Now everybody knows to how to avoid ads, and the market saturation is such where everybody says, "Well, if I need to get something done now, I'm going to spend the money." You know, the old adage that anybody who has more t money than time buys ads, and anybody who has more time than money, well, they get a little more creative, usually with content. Anywho, um, so in the effective value of any given ad is dropping and diminishing, which is why people who sell ads are desperately trying to figure out how to up the value of ads. And that's why where programmatic comes in. We, you know, they say, look, if you're targeting people who read um, tech meme or tech crunch or the verge, and you want people who are techno, you know, tech focused, we will find the other people who do similar things and show your ads to them, like-minded potential buyers, right? Uh, I hope you can't hear there's a truck driving by my house. It's not quiet. Um, 
and that's a value because these are people you know you're now spending money not broadly but targeted in it, it particular groups of people, meaning the effective ad value is increased, meaning you're not wasting your ad dollar on people who, you know, again, you're not wasting your car dollar, ad dollar on me because I don't own a car and I will never be interested in a car. So there's that. They're trying to do that. I'm seeing in some cases that they're trying to figure out how to highlight the value of an ad by developing tools that show action. So for example, LinkedIn, um, and I'm sure, and by now this is all going to be public and talked about, but LinkedIn's got a new one where if you sponsor some content and someone clicks the ad, clicks the content, instead of saying, hey, look, you got 100 people to click that content and they have some sort of brand awareness, thanks, you know, thanks for playing, good to go. Now they've got a thing that says if you're interested in learning more about this brand or this company, click here. So effectively, it's kind of like saying, here's a call to action, but instead of saying, here's a call to action to a job, which is much, much, much deeper down the funnel, we're just going to keep you on the hook, but we're going to create this uh, trigger that shows the people who buy ads that people are actually engaging with these ads and they're identifying themselves as people who are interested, but they're at the top of the funnel. Now, less of value than applying for a job per se, but whatever, we can still start to tie metrics. And now you can develop a, a database of people who have raised their hands who are interested in your brand. This is just the beginning. All ads, all ad marketers, all ad builders and creators and publishers are seeing the pinch and feeling the squeeze at every conceivable level, and they're all running like crazy to find ways to squeeze more money out of ads. If you look at the macro picture, the ad market is growing, except if you take Facebook and Google out of that market, the ad market is shrinking, meaning Facebook and Google ads are growing much bigger and everybody else is literally shrinking. The ad market for non-Google or Facebook ads is getting smaller and smaller, harder to find uh, value in that, and everybody's scrambling. And you're going to see markets buy up other markets, tools buy up other tools. I don't know, did LinkedIn get bought by Microsoft? Did uh, CareerBuilder get bought by um, uh, private equity, you know, you're starting to see the consolidation in the ad space where people are trying to figure out how do we keep afloat. If we're focused on a world in which most of our money comes on selling ads and the world is moving to one where all the people who you really want to talk to are avoiding ads like the plague, how do we figure this out? You're going to see a lot of shakeup. So we go back to the first question. How do we buy an ad? Why do we buy? When do we buy? And truly, I get your instinct to buy an ad and I'm, I'm not going to get in your way. But you have to be judicious about how you spend your money, right? Long gone are the days of an ad being air cover. Hey, let's just keep our brand in, you know, front of mind for people who exist, right? You don't want to just spread it out just so you're there. Unless your name is Coke, right? And you can afford to have polar bear commercials and on every single football game just to remind people that you exist as if people don't remember who you are or know you exist or know that sugary sweet drink is there. I don't, you know, there you go. It's all brand awareness ads. They can't tie those ads to direct sales. They can show correlations. They can show when they push more ads, people drink more, but there's no direct connection because how do you track that? Anyway, unless you've got Coke money, You've got to be very particular. Your ads have got to be targeted at people who are likely to apply. You've got to tell them a story that are, or, or give them a message that make them want to learn more. So in this day and age, 
how do you do an ad? Great question. Here's how I would do it. One, there is only one rule in marketing that is inviolate. Maybe that maybe there's more, but here's one I'm talking about right now. The person or company who knows their audience best wins. Meaning, if you are trying to target men, how do you do it? Sports? Great. You know, not all men love sports, and I, you know, I like football, but I hate baseball, for example. So if you're saying sports in general and all your ads are on baseball, you're, I'm never going to see them. Never going to see them. Uh, I know people who love tennis and soccer and who have zero interest in basketball and football. That's a dude. So if you're looking for dudes and you think sports, you have to be incredibly broad about your concept of, of dudes. Reading, it's 18-year-olds and 30-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 80-year-olds and uh, people who live in rural and people who live in urban, people who have high-paying jobs and people who are entry-level, people who are white-collar versus blue-collar, tech versus unemployed. There's all sorts. Of, when you just say, I need to talk to dudes, that's not saying much. That is way too broad a brush. You have to get more specific. Okay, James, let's go ahead and go with straight-up demographics. I need to talk to 25-year-old dudes. Great. Keep going. <laughs> you know where they live. Do you know what they do? Did they graduate from high school? Did they graduate from college? Do they have a job? What kind of job do they have? Do they have a sales job? Do they have a tech job? Do they have a service job? Do they have a you know a, a getting their dirt in their, under their fingernails job? Do they work for the post office? What? Who are these people? Who are these twenty-five-year-old dudes? Okay, we're gonna focus on twenty-five-year-old dudes who live in Phoenix who uh, have a are in the tech space. Great. Keep going. The tech space means data science. It means developers. It means product marketers. It means product managers. It means project managers. It means IT support. It means server support. It means networking support. It means blah, 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 mobile technology. It means, it means, it means. It means machine learning and AI. Okay, so what we're going to talk about is 25-year-old dudes in Phoenix who are big into data science. Great. Keep going. Because the more focused you get, the more you understand who that person is. The 25-year-old data scientist, they're not all interested in the same stuff. They don't all read the same websites. They don't all watch the same shows. They don't all use the same technology. They're still very different. You have to define your audience so narrowly that you truly understand this audience. No longer can you afford to say, look, I'm focusing on 25-year-old dudes in Phoenix in the tech space. I'm just going to get... You know, push a thousand ads because I know that five of them will hit the right people. That is a horrible way to spend money because of those five, you'll be lucky if one of them clicks. And that's a point, uh, hold on, point one percent conversion rate, which ain't good. One thousand impressions and one basic conversion, not good. You can do better than that. If you focus them on all data scientists or you focus them on all data scientists who are uh, math majors or all data scientists who are in machine learning or all data scientists who are all theoretical, whatever, you can start to fine-tune what they read, who they are, what they're like, and again, you get to truly understand your audience, thus going back to the message and the rule, the one who understands their audience best wins, which is why you don't see a lot of ads for data science jobs on People Magazine or The Tonight Show or the Super Bowl, because it's such a small market, the people who are in that audience who you really want to reach, they don't, yes, they they do watch the Super Bowl. Maybe some of them read people, so maybe some of them watch The Tonight Show, but it's such a small fraction of the overall audience, it's crazy to do it that way. You gotta go get targeting. You gotta get targeted like crazy. 
okay? The better you understand your audience, the better, which means you have to get hyper-targeted, which means you have to truly bake your niche to the point where you understand those people like you know your own family, right? You understand what they do. You understand how they spend their time. You understand where they spend their free time. You understand what their cycles of busyness and, 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 and slack time are, right? You know, some jobs, they get crazy busy at Christmas. Some jobs get crazy quiet. Which are these? And if you know that, what message do you give them at Christmas or around Christmas? Or do you ignore Christmas altogether because they're too busy even to see your ads, right? The more you understand your audience, the better. Now, if you understand your audience, you know what you also know? What they care about, what they're motivated by, what interests them. And a smart person such as yourself will say, if I know my market and I know what they care about, I'm going to give it to them. Simple as that. Marketing is not complex. <laughs> the way you do it is complex, but those ideas are very straightforward. If you know your audience and you've defined your audience to the point where it is incredibly narrow and incredibly specific and they're all effectively on some level homogeneous, you give them all the thing they want. And then you find a way to tie it to your brand. So for example, if you're talking to data scientists, you want to give them a free book on how to use Tableau. And this is the point where I don't know data science well enough. Maybe Tableau is too basic for them. I don't know. But you get what I'm saying. You find a way to deliver something of value. How much would it cost you to hire a data scientist? Two, three, five grand? I think writing and giving them a book on a tool they want to learn more about is effective. Here's an ad. You want to hire someone who is a $1,000 cost per hire? Send them a book. Send them a video class. Send them a subscription to something. Just do the thing. Give them something of value. People who get something of value are far more likely to reciprocate that value back to you, meaning they'll at least give you three minutes to talk to them and make your pitch, which is really all you want. After that, the recruiter knows what to do. You've gotten good recruiters. You let them do their job. Your job is to make the job recruiter's job easier, and that is happens by giving that candidate something they value, creating the basis of a relationship, and letting the recruiter kind of do the rest. That's how you buy an ad. You focus on telling a story that cuts to what their motivations are. You give them an offer that cuts to what their true needs are, what they truly value. Offering me um, a free webinar on content marketing is of zero value to me. Why? Because I haven't seen a content marketing webinar in a very, very long time that actually taught me anything because I've been in the space so long. They're usually targeted downstream. Now, if you say, Here is a tar here's a webinar on content marketing for the 1% of content marketers for the elite, now you have my attention. Now I might find that interesting. Now I might see that as a value. I might give you my time to share that. But you can only get away with that if you know you're trying to talk to people who are in the top 1% of content marketing, except every other webinar is for people who can smell content marketing, right? It's so broadly defined, it's anybody, and thus you won't get me. And if you're trying to target me or someone like me or someone at the top level of content marketing, you need to truly understand what their needs are. You need to say, here are the hidden secrets that only the top 0.1% of the content marketers know. Everybody wants to get better, right? Everybody wants to get better at their job. That's what you offer. That's what I mean by knowing your audience the best. That's how you buy an ad. You understand your audience. You understand what to give them that's of value. You figure out based on who they are, where they are, meaning geographically, on the web, what kind of ads will they see? How do you get in front of them? And frankly, if it's a letter, handwritten note, 
I've seen companies that spend so much money on a cost per hire that it would be cheaper if they just bought a ticket for a plane on a plane for that location and delivered a sheet cake by hand that said, hey, I want to talk to you, written on the top in sugar, and it would be more cost effective than all the crap they're doing because giving that person a sheet cake says, I understand what you want. Now, of course, if you know that person's diabetic, that's completely a bad idea, but what you're saying is I know you so well that I know what flavor of cake you like or something to that effect, and I'm going to give you something that truly matters to you, and your conversion rate will go from 0.1% to 10% and that's how you you value your cost. That's how you build an ad. You don't pepper the world with your brand. Don't do that. That's crazy. It'll be seen by people who you will never in a million years hire. Complete waste of time. You have to target your ads. Now, this kind of targeting makes your ad person nuts. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And I hear all the time, yes, but if you target so much, you won't spend the ad out. That's how agencies think. That's not how you think. That's not how you, you're, an agency's job is to take your money, right? An agency's job is to grab you by the ankles and shake till all the money falls out of your pockets. Not just agencies, vendors do that too. Their job is to figure out how to extract as much money out of your wallet and put it in their wallet as possible. The outcome is a means by which to do it, but it's not the only, it's not, they're not as focused on the outcome as you have to be. That's the difference between in-house and agencies or in-house and vendors right? So you have to demand a level of specificity in your ads. You have to demand that people hyper-target for, and you have to understand your own hiring needs. None of this works if you don't understand that you need to hire data scientists in Phoenix who are at entry level or mid-level or senior level and what they do and what they care about, which is why technical recruiters get, generally get paid more than regular recruiters because they have to know more about those people and they have to know enough about the technology that they support to, to find them and, and engage with them because it's a slightly more technical job, right? Same thing for your ads. You got to spend a little more per ad, but they're far more effective. All right. That was a long one. 35 minutes plus ads, he says jokingly. Um, thank you so much for listening. As always, I appreciate it. By the way, by now, uh, I was on recruiting live uh, th this week, a little yesterday. Um, as I record this, but by the time you hear this a week ago, so it's, it's, it's archived somewhere. You should go find it. I had a great time with Jackie and Clayton and the record, recruiting live team. Always a pleasure to kind of hang out with them and, and do a little chit chat. Otherwise, um, I, I'm, I'm going to tease you again because I don't know officially when we launch this thing. We're doing a webinar series on employer brand and I get to talk to six unbelievably smart people and I let them do most of the talking, which is a, a gift I give to you, my friends. Um, about employer brand, all the different aspects of employer brand. It is a murderer's row of smart people. Trust me, you will not want to miss this. On top of which, I'm managing this process, meaning it will not be the usual. It will not be boring, okay? I found people who are not boring. You will have a great time on this thing. As more, as I'm allowed to talk about this more, I will let you know, but it's, it's definitely in the works. Thanks so much for listening. Leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. I always appreciate that. Tell your friends who care about this stuff, and I will see you next week. Thanks. Bye. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, 
thought leaders and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.